It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. What's going on? What's going on? Are we here? Yeah, I'm on here, brother. Uh-huh, I hear you. Okay, cool. Waiting for uh waiting for TJ to join. I'm gonna send him a message here in a minute. Just trying okay, to Tom find the right. Let me bring Tomcat on. Tomcat's on. See him, but I can't Brianna. I can't. I can't bring him on. He gone, he's on a computer. He might have to call in on his phone. Wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Okay. Tomcat, you on? Yes, I am. Hey. Yeah. All right. Can you hear me? Uh-huh. Can hear you. you nice and clear. Okay. Thanks. No problem. Okay. I'm just trying to find our chat room. Well, Tomcat, we could just, we could just, um, so Nina, you could text me, and unless you wanna. No, I text you everybody that call in. So, so you already know. I just text you all the callers. All right. I'll just text you their phone numbers. Like I did, I just did with Kenham Show. I was on Kenham Show. Y'all didn't know because I wasn't oh, saying nothing. But yeah, I was. On, yeah, I just yeah, did Kenham Voice. First, first time for everything. I'm shocked, you know. Let's go with that, you know. And look, I got a praise report. You ready for the praise report? What's the praise report? I say, I say both of his daughters today, baby, both of them today out of domestic okay. violence. Don't play with me. Yes. Are you serious? Yes. That is, that is yes. That is beautiful. Yes. That is so good. So, that is so, so, good. The, um, so what's her name is um, 630. What's her name? Morgan 800 is her phone number. Okay. Morgan. Yeah, Morgan Tucker. <clears throat> and we need to start the show. Um, let me just finish doing what I'm doing in about two seconds here. Uh, once again, Morgan Tucker, 630-800. And I know uh, my friend Reggie's calling in as well and probably her father. So you might get a few few calls at least to listen. They're probably going to just listen. So if you just remind, I'll, I'll remind them. What's, what is it, star two to, if you want to talk? Nina? Yeah. Okay, start to the top. Start to, okay. All right, um, Tomcat, you ready? Yes, sir. Get this show started. Counting down, three, two, one. Welcome inside the arena. Freedom Talk Radio, your voice, your volume, right here on four-time national award-winning poet radio, celebrating their 10-year anniversary of excellence. Now, we want to thank everybody for tuning in. And without further ado, let's bring in the co-host, co-founder, co-conspirator of the show, the man who made the Kessel Run in 12.5 parsecs, the man who starred side-by-side with Tim Roberts in the movie Shawshank Redemption. Please welcome to the show my good friend, Mr. Tom Cat. Wow, what an introduction. Glad to be here on Full-Time <laughs> <laughs> Poor Radio with you, my brother. How's everybody doing tonight? Doing well, man. I loved your work at Shawshank Redemption, by the way, man. He's I outstanding. Did 
I, I love myself, my work. I wish I had the money from it, but I love my work in it. <laughs> the way you narrated that film was uh, exciting. Listen, we are excited to have, for this show tonight. Very excited. If you want to reach Tomcat on Twitter, you can find him at Tomcat68. That's Tomcat68. If you want to find me on Twitter, hit me up at SwimForLife1127. That's the word swim, the number four, the word life, 1127. We're here every Wednesday night, normally at 9 p.m. to 10 p.m. Central Time. That number is 605-562-0444, extension 931-55-POUND. That's uh, 605-562-0444, extension 93155-POUND. Very exciting show tonight. We have a young lady who just won the WNBA championship with the Seattle Storm coming up in just a couple minutes from Morgan Tuck out of Bolingbrook. And then at the top of the hour, we have friend of the show, and former DePaul basketball star Marty Embry joining the show now, a chef from the court to the kitchen, so many books, and a great author himself. He does erotic writing as well for those adults in the house. So we'll get into that. Um, we're going to talk about DePaul basketball coming up. We're going to get into some politics today because there is some news, unfortunately, Tomcat, another black person shot and killed by police, this time in Philadelphia. And until Morgan calls in, why don't we um, sort of broach some of those topics, Tomcat, the political side of it, because I know we're going to be talking sports from here. Well, you know what? Before we do that, let's get your thoughts on the Bears' loss on Monday night in front of a national audience. Just give me your kind of your roundabout thoughts about that game. Well, uh, the way I looked at that game, I, I was not – Surprised, really. I did not think the Bears had enough to beat the Rams. And, and keeping in mind, the Rams, they haven't beat a lot of good people so far this year. Uh, they, they beat up on a pretty bad division, and they lost the two um, good teams they played, they lost to. So this was mm -hmm. kind of for both teams. I did not, uh, I was not surprised at the ineptitude showed by the Bears' offense, nor by the um, the 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 way the defense played for the most part i thought i thought the defense played well enough for them to win the game first of all uh I, and they played well enough between the first two and a half quarters after that they kind of um we were talking the other night i forget which play it was it was some touchdown that the Rams scored or whatever it seemed like after that bears defense was like you know what we have we don't have any help tonight and they just kind of like uh didn't have much left after that so i wasn't that surprised i, I um i'm not that um you kind of changed my mind the other night when we were talking i was thinking perhaps at best eight eight maybe nine or seven but looking at the schedule like we did the other night nine or ten wins might be feasible for this team yeah i agree with you uh, i'm thinking um that that I'm, I'm I'm hopeful that they can get the ten wins. We went over the schedule, and I'm hoping that they can right. get the ten wins. So, um, that's that's what my goal is. You know, if they if they can do that, um, well, I'd be happy about it. I'd be very happy about it. Well, let and, me ask um, you. I think. Go ahead. No, 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 no. I, I, I no. I mean, I thought you your assessment of it was well was well said. I, I just I thought that you know they every every all of their five wins in the season they they won with less than seven points. So. Mm -hmm that's a precarious place to be, right? That's a precarious place to be. A couple of wins they came back and won. 
Um, and so you got to be mindful of that. They want to get some good teams. They want to get some average teams. They want to get some bad teams. So the, the Rams clearly were a, a, a average to above average team. We knew that it was going to be difficult. The Rams were 2-0 and on home. The Bears were 3-0 on the road. Um, and so we understood that, that it was going to be a challenge. We understood that at this point with that offense being so inconsistent, we just couldn't rely on it. So um, I am not surprised at all. Okay, uh, sounds good. All right, ladies and gentlemen, um, without further ado, um, we have our first guest on the line, and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna read a couple of these highlights, career highlights for this amazing young lady. And once you again, you're listening to. Sure. You got a, you got enough to read, that's sure. <laughs> oh yeah, got got plenty of read. And once again, you're listening to you're listening to the arena. Freedom Talk Radio live on four-time national award-winning Cord Radio, celebrating their 10th anniversary of excellence. And okay, so uh, 2020 WNBA champion, four-time NCAA champion, mm. great All-American in 2012, mm. WBCA High School All-American in 2012, McDonald's All-American in 2012. Hold on, Tom, can I need some oxygen, man? I'm getting a little yeah, busy. No. This is getting a little, this, I gotta, I need a, I need a, a little break. Gatorade, <laughs> all, uh, Illinois Girls Basketball Player of the Year in 2012, and I know she was Miss Illinois for two, for, uh, twice. So Illinois, uh, female Illinois Pas- Basketball Player of the Year as well. Uh, Tomcat, you know when I could go on and on and on. She just has so many accolades here. Uh, USA Today, All USA T, uh, 13, 2011, ESPN Sophomore of the Year 2010, on and on and on. But without further ado, her her award sheet is longer than your rap sheet, Tom Cat. I'm telling you, brother. Wow. Says, you know, Ooh, and, and that's saying a lot. That's, that's saying a lot, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. She's been busy. And listen, <laughs> it is our honor. It is our pleasure. For the first time ever on the arena, please welcome to the show the pride of Bolingbrook, Illinois, Miss Morgan. Talk. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It is truly an honor, Morgan, for us to have you on the show. We want to thank you so much for taking the time. Myself, Aaron, and Tomcat, the co-host, um, we've been doing this now for over seven years, to working together, and we are truly honored. You're one of our favorite and most established and prestigious guests to come on our show. So thank you so much, Morgan. I know um, this is probably a challenging time, uh, considering that uh, you probably got your first break after um, winning the the championship and spending time with family. And um, thank you so much for taking some time. So we have a ton of things to ask you. Uh, We're so excited to have you on. You won multiple championships at Bolingbrook High School. Um, tell us a little bit about what that was like to win back-to-back. I know you won back-to-back titles there. So what was that like for you uh, experiencing those state championships? Uh, it was great. You know, I think that was my first real experience with actually, like, winning championships. Um, and I mm-hmm. had really been my first three years there, and I had really, really good teammates. Like, we, we were kind of known as, like, if you went to Bolingbrook, you got a scholarship. So we were, like, I think every year we were stacked. Um, but, you know, we kind of, we had this bond because we played all year together. Like, we didn't go off and play different AAU teams, so we were really together all year, like, for one goal. 
Um, and so I think, you know, that definitely set my expectations and my path for when high school was over and it was time to go to the next level. Like I knew I had to go somewhere that would win because that's what we did in high school. That's, that's, that's amazing. Now I come from Provides East High School. I'm an, I'm an 86 grad at Provides mm-hmm. East where we won a few titles there ourselves for the boys, but never, never the impact that you've had uh, in the girls program. Were you aware Morgan, of your impact uh, uh, for young ladies who were coming up uh, behind you, and um, uh, you know how how they perceived you and how much success you were having, were you were you keenly aware of that? Uh, in high school, no, I definitely wasn't. Um, I was really just focused on winning and getting better. You know, I guess I didn't really think of like what the big picture was, and I didn't really see that until I was gone for a little bit. And like when you go back and you you know, see like the younger players that are now in high school and everything. But during, no, I, I don't think I realized it at all. When you, when you were in high school, did you model yourself after, after any player? Was there anyone that you looked up to? Yeah, I'd say for sure the biggest was Candace Parker, just because she was also like, you know, right in Naperville. And growing right. up, I got to go to a lot of games and got to see her and worked with um, Mike Henry, who coached her when she was a little bit younger, so she was definitely the person that I was trying to be. That's amazing. Yeah, that's definitely someone to, to mold yourself after. So, now, I'm, I'm curious, did you play year-round? Were you playing basketball year-round? Yep, I did. I, I think, I mean, I think my, like, sixth grade year, that was the last time I did, like, multiple sports, but after that, it was basketball all year. So, when did you realize that you were, that you were good? that you had some talent, you had some skill. I mean, obviously you played varsity your freshman year. So I'm curious, did you, did you know in eighth grade, did you know in seventh grade, you know, I might be good at this. Maybe I got a shot at this. When did you realize uh, you, you might have some skill? Yeah, I mean, I thought when I hit like seventh, eighth grade that I was, that I was good. Um, but at that time, I was kind of splitting my time. I would play like my AAU team. That was my age. And then I also played with my future high school team in the summertime so I was playing against the girls that were way older so I didn't feel as good um but then I think my freshman year in high school after I won Miss Basketball I that's when I was like oh I guess I am pretty good like maybe this can really <laughs> be my can really reach my dream you know so it took me a little bit but I think I'd say yeah for sure after my freshman year. What was it like winning winning your first uh Miss Illinois basketball what was that like? Uh, it was really unexpected. You know, I never really heard about it or thought about it until my coach told me that I got it. Um, so it was really cool. It was, you know, I, I'm really the only thing I remember the most about it was, like, he was really excited. But then it was, like, the next day we were back in, you know, just because I was, like, so young. So it was, like, he really didn't want me to get, like, a big head from that. But it was, like, okay, you got it, but you can still get better. <laughs> so that's what I remember the most. Okay. Awesome. More- Talk to you guys. Go ahead. Yes, I do. Morgan, this is Tomcat. I have a question for you. First of all, uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, indeed, a, a pleasure to speak with you this evening. But I was just wondering, besides basketball, what other sports were you playing, and what was it that made you decide to stick with basketball as opposed um, to the other, well, the other Yeah, I mean, I did kind of like all the sports when I was really young, but then the main two, me and my sister, she played also, we did soccer and basketball. And so once like the seasons kind of started conflicting, like our parents made us choose. Um, and so we both chose basketball, which I'm sure they're glad that we did and not pick soccer. Um, okay. And so that was really the factor. And then in middle school, it was kind of like, 
you know, I tried like track, you know, just to try, but I hated it. I don't, even though it sounds weird, but I hate running. So, <laughs> um, so after that, I knew like, all right, it's, it's just going to be basketball. That's Please. awesome. So, good. You come to your question? Go ahead. I was just so, so after high school, obviously you were recruited and you went to UConn. What was it like being recruited? Did you have, I mean, was, was it always UConn for you or did you have any other aspirations? Maybe Tennessee because of Candace or was there any, was, was it always uh, UConn? Well, yeah, when I was growing up, I definitely wanted Tennessee. Um, like, I went to a, a Tennessee camp when I was a little younger and got to meet Coach uh, Summit and everything. So, Tennessee was definitely where I thought I wanted to be. Um, and then, uh, you know, recruiting overall, at first, is really exciting and great, but it got a little overwhelming, I think. So, uh, once UConn came on the scene, then it was like, oh, like, I didn't think that UConn would be interested. I just wasn't thinking that. So, once they were, and I went to visit a couple times, like, I knew that's where I was going to be. So it, it didn't take much for me to, to know that was the place. Well, well, first, real quick, I want to say that we are broadcasting on a four-time award-winning poet radio, and we are speaking with uh, Morgan Tuck, WNBA star. Morgan, I wanted to ask you, speaking about recruiting, did the Paul women's basketball team has a has a that you have a pretty decent team? Did you ever? <laughs> I mean, they have a pretty good team. I mean, have you? Did you even? Did well, yeah. you consider? Did you consider going to DePaul? Was that were they one of the people who were trying to recruit you? Was it were the favorites always UConn? Uh no, I mean I visited DePaul a bunch of times, um, mm. and actually, so I considered it, but I knew because like so my sister played at the University of Illinois. She's a year older, so I knew if I was going to stay in Illinois, it'd probably be University of Illinois because she was there. <laughs> but I knew I've always liked to travel and I like to go, so I knew I wanted to go somewhere new. Um, so it was nothing against like DePaul or anything. It's just, I didn't want to be 40 minutes from home. You know, I wanted to, to live in a different place. See, he's asked you that Morgan, because we have a friend of the show, Marty Embry, former DePaul basketball star coming up at nine o'clock right after. So that's why he's asking uh, you that question. <laughs> he said, well, no, that <laughs> yeah, that's why the school I visited the most because it's so close and they were good. So. Exactly. So what was it like? What was it like playing for Gino? What was that experience like? Do you remember the first time you met him, and and what was that experience like? Yeah, I mean, first time meeting him, he, I mean, he he's super nice and like a really charismatic, personable guy. Like I was first, I guess I was kind of in awe because like you know he's this legendary coach. Um, but playing for him, it was hard. Like it was really tough. Um, but at the same time, when you like look back on it, you know, you understand why he did all the things he did just because, you know, to win and to be consistently good, how long you guys been good, like you, he has to be a tough coach. Um, but it was, it was definitely challenging for sure. Especially like the first year or two, that was for sure challenging. So what was that like? I mean, I'm thinking about that recruiting class and, and the three of you that came in there, you know, Brianna Stewart. Mariah Jefferson yourself, what was it like playing with alongside those two young ladies? I mean, they, that must have been – I mean, obviously you won four championships while you were there. So, clearly – and I think you only lost four or five games, regular season games, and only two conference games your entire time there. So, obviously you had a tremendous amount of success. But I'm sure your experience goes beyond success. It's about relationships and teammates as well. So, I'm curious how, how that was. Yeah, it was great because both of them I had played with uh, in high school with USA Basketball. So I got to know them before we went. 
Um, but so when we got there, we were excited. We finally got to all play together and like live together and see each other every day. So, you know, they're, they're like sisters, you know, even now that we've been pro for some years now and we don't see each other as much as we used to, but that time there, it's just like, it, it kind of bonds you because like you struggle together and like you sometimes hate it so much together, but like, it just brings you closer. And, and that's something that you, you won't ever lose no matter how far out of college we are. That's, that's amazing. So what was it like playing in front of that crowd? I mean, they're known for being just rabid fans and just very supportive. And what's it like playing in that environment? I mean, I know most of us don't get a chance to experience anything like that. And you're on that court for the first time and you realize that it's a legendary court with a legendary coach and you understand the magnitude of, of what you're facing. But you, I mean, you had to be absolutely nervous the first time yeah yeah the first game was it was I've never been more nervous to play a basketball game ever um but I will say like it is amazing like when you're playing and it's like a sold-out arena and it's super loud and people are so excited to watch you play basketball like especially now being pro when you even though I was in Connecticut for four years so we got it a little bit but it's not the same as in college like that was the best atmosphere I've ever played in so I miss it, but you realize, like, how special it really was, and it's something that, you know, it, it just made the way you played and so much energy from the fans and stuff. It's just you can't really get that unless you play in front of it, which doesn't happen that much anymore. Absolutely. Morgan, I want to ask okay. you. Uh, yeah, I got you. I want to ask you, you, you started out your WNBA career in Connecticut, and now you're with the uh, the Seattle Storm. How does it feel to be uh, reunited with your teammate, Brianna Stewart? Uh, it was great. It was really exciting. I had been trying to get to Seattle for like about for like a year and a half before it actually happened. So it was really exciting. I was glad that I was able to reunite with her just because, you know, I played with her for so much of my basketball career, um, mm -hmm. even though it was with how the season was. But at the same time, it was really exciting. So do you remember your first in the NCAA tournament game, I mean, I think you played against Idaho your first time. You, I mean, we most of us never get to experience what it's like to play in the NCAA tournament. Obviously, you won four titles and you had some some um, some great matchups against Notre Dame and so, and Louisville, the first title that you won. But I'm curious, your first time in the NCAA tournament was that special? Do you remember that moment? Um, it, it was special just because that's what. I mean, I think what makes it the most special is, you know, you work all season for that part of season, like for that season. So, you know, just it was exciting to see, you know, you and obviously at UConn, like it's expected. So like when we made the tournament, it's not like it's not as exciting as like some other schools because it's expected that we at, uh, can at least make it. Um, but I think just the whole process of how we prepared for it, the traveling that we got to do and, you know, just how the stakes were higher. I think it just, it, it put a little more pressure, but at the same time, it was, it was really exciting and it was something cool to be a part of, especially freshman year. You're listening to the arena freedom talk radio, your voice, your volume right here on four time national award-winning poet radio celebrating their 10 year anniversary of excellence. We're visiting with Seattle storm star WNBA star. Morgan Tuck for just a few more minutes. Tomcat, you up? Yes, I do. Morgan, I wanted to ask you, what do you think the prospects are for the next WNBA season? Do you think you guys have a, a good enough team to come back or perhaps 
performing of the dynasty such as when you had in Connecticut because you didn't you didn't lose a lot of games in Connecticut at all from what I understand. So uh, how does the the team you have right now look moving forward? Uh, I mean, I think I mean obviously I don't know everyone's you know if their contracts all that stuff, but um, I believe that most of our team will be back next year, and I think it's going to be I think we're going to be really good. You know, this year. For us to be able to play how we did and to win, like being in the bubble and everything, it was such a weird season and something so different than what we're used to and that we were able to, you know, stick together. And we were like the only team that had all of our players report to the season and be there for training camp and the whole season. So, you know, I think that we're all really bought it. And so I think that's going to make a big difference and uh, we should be really good next year. What was one of the biggest challenges that you feel you faced playing in the bubble as you said. I mean that that had to be a different experience for you. Yeah, I mean to me the biggest challenge we couldn't go anywhere. You know, we were literally on a campus <laughs> and that was it. Like you couldn't you could go to the gym, your villa or the hotel. Like and that was it. But you just and, and we're not used to that. Even when we play overseas and I've played in China and everything and that's a very isolating and you by yourself, but you could still go to the store go to the movies or something. So that's the part that, that was definitely challenging. So, so Morgan, when you first arrived and they first put you in the, the quote-unquote bubble, did you have some type of um, meeting and any type of, you know, assessment? They tell you exactly how, what they expected and, and how things were going to go. And, and what, what, we, you know, what was the team thinking about that? I mean, I mean, obviously it was completely different and unprecedented and it was the first time. So it was completely, like you said, it was different. And you guys had to adjust. You couldn't go anywhere. But I'm curious, when you first stepped into the bubble, quote-unquote bubble, did they they uh, make you aware of what they expected out of you and everything? I'm sure they did. But I'm just curious what your thoughts was just entering the bubble and knowing that you were up against something completely different. Yeah, yeah, they definitely did. You know, our, when we first got there, everyone had to do, like, isolation, quarantine for, like, four days. And so it was kind of over those first days that they kind of explained kind of how it was going to work but that some of it was a work in progress so we kind of had to figure it out as we went along but the league did a really good job of making sure that we were taken care of um, and giving us you know the most freedom that they could you know but still maintain a bubble um, but yeah they're really good with you know our training table times when we got to use the weight room when we got to go to the gym and you know the pool everything they explained everything really well but it was kind of over that first four to seven days that, you know, they kind of laid everything out for us. That sounds, and was there any type of exit strategy? Was there any, I mean, after you guys won, I mean, that must have been an amazing experience winning the, the championship, being a part of that team and, and uh, being in that bubble and winning the whole thing. I mean, that must have been a great experience for you as well. Yeah, it was super exciting. Um, and honestly, and it sounds so bad, like, then, like, we were, like, we left as soon as possible. It was like, after we wow. won, flight was at like 7 a.m. the next morning. I was like, I'm leaving the bubble. And that's what most of us did. So once we won, we knew like, okay, we finally have some freedom back. So the bubble burst. It was time to go home. Yes. <laughs> yes. Ready to go. What's the first thing you did when you stepped outside the bubble? This is, this is what I want to know. What's the first thing? You, did you go grab something to eat? Did you go, I don't know, you know, did you just go running down the street? What's the first thing you did? Well, after, well, really, I mean, they took us to the airport when I got home. So I, when I was in the bubble, I bought a house. So that was, but I didn't get to see it because I was in the bubble. So that was my first thing was I need to go see my house. That's amazing. You know what, Morgan, uh, Top Kid, do you have any last questions? No, I'm good. 
Morgan, we want to thank you so much. It really means a lot to us that you took the time. We are truly honored to have you on our show. It really means a lot. Thank you so much. And please don't be a stranger. We'd love to have you on again. Um, thank you so much. And if you want to say hi to Marty, Marty's on the line right now. He can hear you. If you want to say hi, hi to Marty Embry, I know I'm putting you on the spot, but Marty Embry is on the hey, line. Marty. We're going to bring him in there. <laughs> he can hear you. No, he thank you guys you. for having me. Yes, thank, thank you, thank you so, much, so much, Morgan. Good luck to no you. Problem. All right. Ladies thank and gentlemen, you. that is Morgan Tuck from the Seattle Storm, WNBA champion, 2020, also Bowling Brook High School um, resident. She is a star and a young, young, young talent in the league. We are looking forward to seeing much more from her. So proud of her. And uh, listen, we got a lot more coming up. But right and now. You know what? We right gotta now, we gotta jump right into it. You gotta jump right into it. Right I can't believe now. it. Man, I in the believe it. In, in the eighties, <laughs> in the mid eighties, this dude was pretty bad in the Chicago oh, area. Are you you gonna do the introduction? You wanna introduce him? You can introduce him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's my favorite guy it. right there. <laughs> <laughs> That is my favorite guy, Tom K. You all right with me, bro? Wow, here we go. Here we go. I mean, you 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 number two, so I mean it's all good. Uh (laughs) Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't even started yet. Can't even bring in the proper introduction yet. basketball star from the court to the kitchen, a new chef, and number two on my favorite all-time god! Well, at least we had that understanding. So. <laughs> you know, I knew you were going to get me. I was just hoping to get you first, but you beat me to it. calling in and thanks for uh, being on the show again. Uh, we really appreciate it. Always a pleasure. Always an honor um, to have you on the show. It is um, truly a blessing to hear from you again, despite you know being number two on my list, man. I know I'm going to hear about that for quite some time. You know, you mentioned that it, it broke your heart as much as when the Fat Boys broke up. So I feel you on that, man. Um, uh, we are in tune with that because that kind of broke my heart too. And I think actually Tomcat took a couple weeks off from work after that happened. It was just, you know, too much for him to handle. He had to take a break. <laughs> well, you know, well, I'm, I'm just, I'm just glad Tomcat felt, you know, it was a good thing to, to contact me and ask me to be on the show again as his number one guy. So, uh, I'm honored, Tomcat. So I thank you. I thank you from the bottom of my heart, man. Growing and, and so what? What uh, what's going on with you lately? 
Yeah, well, you know, the spices are they've taken uh they've taken a different road, man. It's 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 like uh I got slammed and from day one it's been slammed. You know, now the 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 thing I'm trying to do is get it in stores and that is that's difficult to do, especially when you're kind of an unknown in the culinary world. Uh so mm-hmm. outside of that I'm just doing a lot of personal personal chefing and you know, doing a little bit of catering with a company here. Just uh, my, one of my buddies opened up a catering uh, joint called 3C uh, Catering, and uh, so I'm helping him out a little bit. Uh, but outside of that, you know, it's just every day is a different day for me, man. To, you know, to grind. So before we, before we, um, and I don't want you to answer this now. I just want to put this, put this in your head before we uh, cut off here in about uh, 20 minutes or so. Before you leave, we'd like to get. You're an easy, you know, an easy recipe that someone like me or Tomcat could prepare for our lady, you know, a little romantic dinner. You know, with the holidays coming up, something quick, something, well, not necessarily quick, but just something simple, definitely simple, that somebody listening in that might be, you know, thinking about this special lady, they want to look good, you know, something they can, they can create. Because you are super creative. I mean, you make these amazing dishes all the time, and it seems like you never stop cooking. So, uh, I mean, but just super talented. Okay. So just keep that keep that in mind before we, we uh, you know, we get off the show. But um, we'll bring it up later. Uh, the pasta dishes are great. So keep that in mind. What's that, Tom K? I said pasta dishes are great. Okay. Pasta dishes are great. There you go. Okay. Okay. Uh, what are you trying to say? You want a pasta dish? <laughs> no, I know, right? You dropping a hit there, Marty, or what? Tell me what you really want. Right, right. You dropping a hit there, or what? I give you something simple, man. I give you something simple. <laughs> yeah. yeah Last time on the show, he was talking to me about a pasta dish. That's why I was, I was like, you know, yeah, pasta dishes are great. Because it turned you out You got to grow. You you got to grow, man. You got to grow. You got to step outside your comfort zone. We're going to have you outside your comfort zone. That's what we're going to do. Um, oh, yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Marty, how, how have you been dealing with the COVID situation? How's that working? How does that, has that affected anything that you're doing? Not, not really, man, because I'm, I'm uh, pretty much a loner unless I'm, I'm doing some cooking anyway. So uh, it, it hasn't affected me at all. You know, they say a lot of people gain a lot of weight, you know, not, nothing has really changed for me. Um, I'm I'm super careful about uh, how I present food and and how I cook food when I'm cooking for you know a client or when I'm cook, cooking for the catering hall. Uh, so outside of that, uh, I'm pretty much uh, it's status quo for me, man. Nothing has changed. Uh, I, I think I'm more conscientious about people that that I'm around uh, because a mm-hmm. lot of times it's not it's not me that's the problem. It's the other person that I'm standing there talking to. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, I guess one of my pet peeves is, is to have a small group of people and not one is wearing a mask. And that's when I just go ghost. Mm-hmm. I disappear. Yeah, so right. uh, because I I would hate to bring something back to my family, you know, with my wife or mm-hmm. my kids. And I would hate to bring something back to them and then get them sick. Uh, and plus, I just don't want to get sick, period. Yeah, I mean, this is something that obviously it's, it's spiking again and, you know, here in Chicago, I don't know, and I know you don't live in Illinois, but here in Chicago now, the governor the governor came out and said that the Chicago restaurants have to shut down as a Friday. They're not doing any more inside dining for, you know, for a time. That's going to hurt businesses. It's, and as you know, I mean, you used to own restaurants, so you know. Um, my brother is a manager for Maggiano's uh, Italian restaurant, 
He's the top manager for the one in Naperville, Illinois. And uh, it's already, it's been difficult for him as it is. And now they've got to close the dining room. So it's, it's, this, this whole thing has been really tough on a lot of people. And certainly the restaurant industry is one industry that's been taking a, a huge hit. I know what you mean. Have you, have you seen any of the videos of these people fighting on airplanes because they don't want to wear a mask? I mean, it's ridiculous out there, man. People not wanting to wear these masks. It's something I don't. I just don't comprehend. You know? Yeah, I you know, I feel I feel bad for the restaurants in particular because that you know that's my business. Uh, but at the same time, I think that there are ways to still provide a service to a customer, you know, without having the restaurant actually open for for consumers to go inside. Um, I think you know for a lot of the restaurants that are doing the right thing, I think they're being penalized for. It. But this is a real strange time that we're in, man, because this, this COVID-19 is no joke. And you get a lot of people out there, and I don't care, Democrats, Republicans, I, I could care less about that. But you get a lot mm -hmm. of people out there that are just frustrated with wearing the mask. But I always say to those people, look at the option, though. Look at, look at your options. What, what can happen to you if you don't wear the mask? I would be more afraid about what happens with me not wearing the mask versus with me, you know, wearing a mask. So, you know, mm -hmm. it, it's going to, I think this thing is going to pass, but if you look at the history of all of these pandemics that's happened, you know, in the years past, it's like a two to five year swing form. So this can last mm -hmm. as little as two years. It can last as many as five years before we start, you know, going back to the, the new norm. So it, it's really a strange time and it's, it's scary. It's scary uh, for me um, mm -hmm. because you just don't know what you're going to run across. Absolutely. You know, and, and here's the thing. I, every day I talk to this a friend of mine who's a Trump supporter, and we kind of go back and forth because I'm not Hello? a Trump supporter. And, uh, yeah, every day. Uh -oh. Can you hear me? Uh -huh. We can hear you, Tom Cat. Okay, I couldn't hear you. Okay, we can hear you. But, yeah, okay. every, every day we kind of we hash things out. And one of the things that we talked about today was the whole mask situation. And he tried to bring up his whole thing about masks not being 100%. And I said, look, a seatbelt is not 100% that it's going to save you from a crash, but it is 100% that it's going to lessen the impact of that crash. And that's the whole point of these, of these masks, except the fact that when you wear a mask, you're protecting someone else as well. So you have to keep that in mind. It's not just about you. Yeah. It's about the other person and who else might be at home. Like you said, you don't want to um, – you don't want to – get your family sick and you know my older brother has uh you know he's had two open heart surgeries he uh, has a heart murmur so he has to be very cautious about not getting COVID because he's, he's very susceptible and you know there's a lot of people that fall under that category so um yeah, this yeah is, uh, I, I agree i agree there was uh my wife and i went to the store uh, a couple of days ago and there was a lady in the store and she was walking around the store she had the mask covering her mouth but not her nose. Mm -hmm. And me and my wife just kind of mm. looked at each other, and it's like, okay, I'm sure that she's a person that hates to wear a mask, and she only put it on as much as she did just to get into the store. But like I said, right. these are the people that I'm, that I'm worried about. These are the people that touch the stuff, mm -hmm. you know, that you have to go behind them and touch things, and these are the ones. There's a guy standing behind me, didn't have on a mask uh, at a gas station, and he was coughing like, and I turned around and said, no. really? Uh, it was terrible, man. And this was a gas station no. at the time that they didn't require you to actually have masks on. 
So when I got up to the line, I said, you guys need to change your stance on these masks, I said, because I'm not coming back here again, period. So, uh, right. again, man, it, it's, just, it's just such a strange, strange time, and I don't think the people that go without the mask really understand the gravity that, that it entails when they're talking about having, having that affect somebody else. Don't worry about their family. Whatever happens mm-hmm. to their family is fine, but they're not worried about anybody else outside of their household. So, mm-hmm. again, it's a strange time we're in, man, and uh, I don't know what it's going to take to change the mentality of people. I got friends mm-hmm. that uh, I had a debate with, with one of my buddies that he said, oh, you're going to believe into the hype. This is a government thing where they just created this whole thing to scare you and the blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. I said, you have lost your mind. Do what you want to do with your family. I got mine covered. Good. Exactly. Yeah, a lot of what I see, people seem to have this. Um, I don't want. I don't know if you want to call it a sense of entitlement. They 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 think that they think that they feel that the government is pretty much infringing upon their rights as an American citizen. Um, they they take it as yeah. an affront. It's like they're trying. They, you you can't tell me what to do. It's not about telling you what to do. Okay, this is about the public safety. This is about it. The, everyone else is good as well. Like you said before, this me wearing a mask not only protects me, it protects you if I come into contact with you or him if I come into That's contact right. with you. That's and right. people are so self-centered nowadays. They, they only it's 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 always me, 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 and you can't tell me what to do. I mean, I can't in my own office where I work at, AT&T has mandated that we wear a mask inside any building. These get my, a lot of my coworkers, they come in there, like you just said, Marty, with the mask partially covering their mouth, but their nose completely exposed. It's like, what, yeah. what, what about this don't you understand? So I myself, I make sure I sit or stand at least 10 feet away from everybody because I'm wearing mine every day. But people just, they just, they just don't get it. And, I, and like you said, I don't know what it's going to take to, for people to actually get it. Will they have to be touched by this personally? Someone right. close to them? What is it that's going to make them feel, hey, this fat meat is greasy. This is real. Yeah. Hey, Marty, we have, a, uh, we have someone that wants, our producer wants to say hi to you. She is a big fan. And uh, we're going to give her a second to say hello to you. She's asking to say hi to you. So go ahead, Nina, jump in okay. and say your little hi to Marty. <laughs> so I cannot believe that I'm actually speaking and talking to you, Marty Embry. How and how are you, man? Let me tell you a story. So I am like one of the biggest DePaul fans. I promise you I am. When you guys were playing basketball, when you and Tyrone Corbin and all you guys were playing, yeah. my mother, I, I begged my mother to go downtown to the DePaul store to buy me everything that said DePaul. So I had a DePaul sweater. I had, a, I listen, and I put it all on. I would like every time y'all play a game, I, I watch it on TV. I put my DePaul sweater on with my DePaul t-shirt. I put on so, uh, like some, uh, some shorts. I have my, my pom-pom. I have my, my pom-pom. I have everything, my hat. And I'm talking about I be yelling and screaming at the TV and fussing at y'all like y'all can really hear me. And then I used to get mad when y'all lose. And I used to be like, okay, Marty, okay, Tyrone, just for that, y'all gonna run some laps. Y'all gonna run up and down the stairs just for that. Oh my God, I used to be so mad at y'all like y'all can really hear me. But man, I want to say 
I love you, brother. You are an awesome talent. You are an awesome ball player. And I heard you are even better chef. So, yeah, I, I, I am just so honored and so proud to say hi to you. Well, thank you for that. I really, really appreciate that. I appreciate the support way back when. I'm sorry that we lost some of those games too. So, <laughs> and, and you know, you know, Marty, when we have when we have a bad day on the radio, she tries to make me and Tomcat run laps. I'm just letting you know that right now, man. It don't happen, but you know, she be trying to. Wow, run a little feisty too, little so. thing, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Man, I swear I used to be so mad at y'all. But do you keep in contact with everybody? Is everybody doing good now? Yeah, yeah, I do. I, I keep in touch with a lot of the guys. Some guys you know we we've gone our separate ways, but you know, my crew I still stay in touch with uh Tyrone and, and Kenny is a little ill right now, so he's recovering from a stroke. Um mm, okay. yeah, Tony mm -hmm. Jackson and Lamone Lampley and Kevin Holmes, uh we all stay in touch. Uh, Walter Downey, okay. even even though he transferred, yeah, we still stay in touch. So, yeah, that is so yeah, cool, man. Right you, yes, you guys had a cold squad because everybody used to talk about Michigan. You know, the Fab Five, Fab yeah. Five. I used to be like, I used to be going. I mean, talk about talking mad <laughs> SHIT to all the Michigan people. Like, forget y'all, DePaul. They got the Fab Five. They got the Fab Five. Ain't nobody better than DePaul. Y'all better get up out of here. So I'm just telling you, I was like y'all cheerleader in the background. I just wanted to tell you that. <laughs> well, I really appreciate that. <laughs> no you problem. Know, you know, um, Marty, uh, Nina is an accomplished poet, too, so I expect to hear a DePaul poetry, poetry piece coming up soon. You know, so uh -oh. you know, you know, you know, called it out. I wanna, I wanna hear one. We gotta put one together. You know, you put on the spot. I now. I'm, I'm putting on the spot. <laughs> he got skills. Then he got mad skills. He be killing it on the on the spoken word. So you know, he got. I bet. Skills. I'm sure. Yeah, I've heard. Him. She's pretty good. Yeah. 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 I, I, I gave it up. I gave it up. I wrote. I wrote <laughs> oh, those really? poetry books. And y'all, yeah. I wrote those two poetry books, man, and and at this particular time, I I couldn't do poetry if you put a gun on me. Oh wow! <laughs> oh, no. Look, I go old school. I do the roses are red, violence are blue, you know that kind of thing. But I, I, I'm, I'm poor. I'm poor. <laughs> oh, don't don't do it to us. Hey, hey, look, 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 Sparks, you ready? Look, look, Marty, this your poem. There, here you go. Roses are red, violets are blue. If you're going to make me run the stairs, you got to make the whole team do it, too. <laughs> All right, see there? That's me. That's it right there. <laughs> In a nutshell, that will be me. <laughs> so so I, I went from real deep to real, real shallow, man. So I'm talking like an inch of water now is what I'm waiting in. So. <laughs> well, I want to remind everybody. I want to remind everybody, you are listening to the Arena Freedom Talk Radio, your voice, your volume, right here on four-time national award-winning poet radio, celebrating 10 years of excellence. We are visiting with former DePaul star and now turned chef, Mr. Marty Emery, for just a few more minutes. All right, Marty, I want to, I want to just ask you, I know that I'm not, I know that you said you don't pay too close attention, but did you see that DePaul has a new athletic director? And if so, what are your thoughts? Do you have any thoughts on that at all? Yeah, you know, I, I think it's uh I think it's a good thing. I think uh I think Jeannie was good for 
her time there and, you know, to pass off the baton to somebody else. And uh, from what I understand, uh, Mr. Peeve is a, is a, is a Peeve or Peavy? I can't remember. It's Peavy. Um, it's Peavy, Dwayne Peavy. Peavy, Peavy. Yeah, but he, uh, he has a, a, a very good background in athletics, so I think he's going to be doing some good things for the school. Uh, they have a banner recruiting year uh, as well, so they got, I think, yes. uh, a, a, a top five uh, recruiting class yes. coming in. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So, I think they are they are putting things in place to have a successful team. And I think uh, I think the new AD, I think he's going to push the envelope a little bit to to get it right, uh, whatever that entails. Uh, he's had a couple of uh, Zoom conversations with a lot of the fellas. I, I was working at the time, so I couldn't I couldn't join in on it. So I don't know what they really talked about. I caught some of the recorded sessions of it, but uh, at some point I'm going to make it to Chicago and go up and introduce myself and, and uh, then just watch, stand back and watch. So I think they're, I think they're, they're doing everything right at this particular point. Mm-hmm. Have you made it up to the new arena yet? Uh, yeah. Um, the last time I was there though, it was, it was before it opened. I haven't been there since they started playing games there. So when I was there, um, they were still, like, building it. So we got a chance to see it while it was being constructed. Uh, so I haven't really been back to Chicago uh, in a minute. So uh, hopefully I'll get there this year if, you know, the COVID virus permits. So we'll see. Mm-hmm. We shall see. Yeah, I, I've been to a few games up there. My brother and his, his, uh, his uh, wife are a season ticket holders for the Sky. So I got to go up there and check it out a couple times for, for a couple of those games. But um, also, the, um, you know, I'm for Provisor Weeks, and one of the young ladies, you know, I'm the announcer for Provisor Weeks Girls and Boys Basketball, and one of the young ladies, the uh, star player from the girls' basketball team, was recruited by DePaul, and she's a sophomore this year uh, on the team. So I want to get out there and check them out and, and show her some love okay. and support. You know, um, so I definitely want to get out there this year and get to the team too. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they do. I know Paul Reed uh, left the program, but I still think there's some young talent there that could be a part of a winning program. And I'm really excited. I love what's going on, man. To be honest with you, I'm excited to what they're doing. I'm excited about Dwayne PV and his commitment to winning and doing it right, doing it the right way. That's the key element right there. Um, you know, not to not to say his name, but we don't need any more Pat Kennedys at this point. We need, you know, I, I like what Lato brings to the table to a certain degree, and I, I know he's going to do it in a professional way, and that's what's important. we got to stay above board. we got to do it the right way, and, and hopefully Dwayne PV will bring that experience and make sure that they're doing that. And uh, it looks like they are, and I'm excited about what's happening. I agree with you 110%. You know, I'm, I, you know, I mean, I eat and breathe the Paul basketball. I, mean, I just have my entire life, you know. And as Nina stated earlier, um, you know, like she was yelling at the TV. I was at those games, Marty. I told you this a million times. I know you heard me say it a million times, but I can't state it enough. I mean, DePaul, DePaul you, you, when people talk about their favorite teams, um, favorite sports teams. Of and all favorite time, players. <laughs> <laughs> Not the number two players. <laughs> I know, right? You always talk about the favorite wow, player, never wow. the number two guy. But Nina talked about the number one guy, though, didn't she? Tomcat was number one. But okay, but I digress. Go ahead. 
<laughs> Why not? You know, if, if black people could turn red, you know, I'm but just growing up in that time, man, just growing up in that environment and, and seeing the Rosemont Horizon at that time filled up to capacity and just yeah. watching you guys play. I mean, it's something that we, we asked Morgan about because she played at UConn and she played in that kind of environment. That must have been an exactly. incredible feeling. To play in front of crowds like that, Marty, that must have been incredible. Yeah, you know, and it's really strange, man, to to see a DePaul game on TV, and then I look at the crowd, and I'm like, wow, we had we had that crowd for a scrimmage at Alumni Hall. Seriously, right. we we would have right. we would have you know three, four, five thousand people coming in for coming in for a scrimmage at Alumni Hall. Mm-hmm. So I think when I was yep. at DePaul, uh, one of the worst games that we had uh, that I recall was against Gonzaga, although they had a great team with with uh, John Stockton. But I think mm-hmm. that game had maybe 12,000 people, but it was still it was still full. I mean, you know, up right. in the Raptors was empty. So Morgan understands. I mean, with her winning so many championships and that kind of crowd, I mean, they, they had the crowd support. We had the crowd support. Even though we had a couple of bad years, our crowd never left. And, uh, and, and so, yeah, it was great, man. But I, I've, I've been blessed, I think, to play for teams that we sold out a lot of gyms. You know, we, uh, it, it, back in high school, winning two state championships, we had sellout games almost every single game, so it was nothing. It was nothing new to me to go to DePaul, and then we have a large crowd. And then when I got overseas, I was blessed to play with some teams that you know were well supported by by the city that I played in. So that that just carried over. But I I, I see the struggles of DePaul. Let me ask you a question: What do you think about the 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 gymnasium, the arena being built in downtown versus on campus? See, I, I, I didn't, like, I didn't like that, helped. Marty. I didn't yeah. like that at first. You know, I really didn't like it, to be honest with you, because I, I look, I went to Alumni Hall. I know what that's like. I, I, when you guys mm-hmm. were playing, you guys would do that once or twice a year or something like that. I was at those games. That was standing room only. You know, that was standing room only at Alumni Hall. So yeah. I know I know it wasn't – it didn't, it didn't – um, obviously you didn't get as large a crowd because the capacity was much lower. But being that close to the team – and that environment was just it was it was toxic it was it was amazing to be there and then for the other team for the polling team it was really intimidating so i wanted an on campus um facility it was to me that was huge because what you're trying to do at the very least is get your student base up right if you go to any of these successful exactly. programs they have a huge student section you don't want the student base to have to travel so far you want them to have to walk to, to the uh, the facility. You don't want them to have to get on a bus or a train or you, you just don't want that. So I was disappointed with that. I kind of saw how, how it came around politically to happen, but I would tell you that I do like the stadium. I do like it. I'm not going to lie. I really like it a lot. I wish it were on campus, but I do like I do like how they built it. I like how it's very close to parking. You don't have to walk far at all to park. You park right across the street. They have a bridge that connects the facility and the parking garage, so you don't have to go outside to get to your car. I mean, it's, it's, they really did it nice. I just wish it was on campus. So how 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 do they get more students to get to the games? Because again, it's the students that are going to be the clowns at the games that 
that give fits to the other players and, you know, to the opposing team and causing the havoc and making all of the noise. I think a lot of times our fan base is so reserved, you know, now is so reserved that they're not, the hoopla is like gone. It's like you miss a couple of shots, they're, they're silent. You know, we need, right. we need those fans that are going to be there and they're going to be, they're going to raise hell from the, from the opening tip to the last shot. Those are the fans that we need at those games. And I think those are the students, you know, from DePaul that could do that. But how do you change that? How do you get the students up there? I think what will happen, Marty, I think what one thing that will happen is you will have, once they start winning uh, more consistently like they did the first half of last year, and once they start winning in conference, I think you will see that develop more and more because these people don't understand what it was like in 1980, 19, early 1990. They don't understand what a David Booth team looks like, what a Kevin Edwards team looks like, what a Marty Every team looks like. They don't understand that. But they, they will understand it as the, as the crowds fill in and once they start winning a little bit. And I think that's what will happen. So you start building sort of a new tradition, and you will sustain that, that local – student fan base they'll have their own section and they'll be their own you know crazy fan and they'll develop their their own response after a three-pointer or after a half shot buzzer beater and you'll see yeah. that but I, I think it's going to take some time and i think they're moving yeah. in the right direction i'm proud of them i'm happy where it's headed they're, they're always going to have my support they can go on oh and you know 30 and i'm still going to love them i might be mad at yeah, them, but i'm still going to love yeah. them I said the same thing, but I, I, Nina, this is for you and Tom Cat if you're still listening. Uh, I found it interesting that when when AA Ron was talking about the the past teams, that he mentioned two other players before he mentioned me. But you know, it's you know we'll talk about it later. I'm all, I'm always I'm always a stepchild. I'm always a stepchild, Aaron. I'm always a stepchild. You know, I got. I don't know where I don't know where we went wrong. <laughs> I caught that, but I was gonna keep quiet about it. But you know, you brought yeah, it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know where I don't know what I did to you, man, to, to get this treatment. But it's okay. When I come to Chicago and Nina and Tomcat eating well, then you're gonna, you know, no need to ask why. I have a special chocolate pie wow, just for you. Yeah. Well, we we want to thank you, Marty, for taking the time out My today. Pleasure. We know we love you. We know it's you know we just no doubt. Yes, we do. Uh, uh, no doubt. I appreciate you. it too, man. And uh, we want to thank everybody for tuning in. Thank you, Nina, for doing a wonderful job on the board for us tonight. We appreciate you. We love you. Hey, thank smart. You uh -huh. Before you yeah. go, you got two more callers. You got two more callers on the line. Oh, we got two callers. Okay, let's bring them in. Um, yeah. well, let's call the station name and where you calling from. Okay, hold on. There you go. 703-680. State your name and where you calling from. Yo, yo, yo. What's up, Aaron? This is Reggie Ratliff calling from the D.C. area, Washington, D.C. How you doing? Oh, you know, what's up, right. Reggie? Yes, sir. Reggie, we're, we're on with Marty Embry right now, so if you have any questions for Marty from DePaul, feel free. Have at it. And thank you for calling in. I'm just tuning in. Uh, you know, I always enjoy your show. Uh, Marty, I was a fan when you was playing for the Blue Demons, um, so I'm glad to see that you're doing well um, outside of the basketball as a, as a chef. So, you know, it's always good when, um, you know, our athletes, our elite athletes don't forget where they come from. So, um, you know, thank you for being on the show, and I'm always listening to you, bro. So, good work. Well, thank you. I appreciate that.
And uh, I just want to say that Reggie is a pirate, so Provisor Luis is in the house in full effect again. So I just want to make it out there. <laughs> yes, and I, will, I, will I was going to say, is this Reggie from E? I was yes. going to say that. Hey, Reggie, I was going to say that. How you doing, Nina? Good to see Good to Reggie is a state. Reggie is a state wrestling champion, by the way, Marty. Oh, nice. Very okay. Nice. 86. Okay, good. Yes, yes. All right, man. I'll be proud of you, man. Nothing but love Appreciate for you, it. Reggie. Thank you. Yes, sir. Pleasure. All right. Um, we got another call, Nina? Yes, yes, sir. One more. All right. Let's bring him on. Call the state your name and where you from? This is Kendall Dennis out of Chicago. Hey, hey. Hi, Kenneth. Jelly Bean Jennings. Bean Jennings. Yes, sir. In the okay, house. Before, we, before we go any further, Marty, I've got to tell you a little bit about this guy. Um, he and I have uh, become really good friends, but but I will tell you that Kenneth back in, it has, is one of the most inspirational stories that you will ever encounter and one of the most intelligent, uh, courageous brothers I've ever met. In 1988, he played for he played football for Simeon, and eight seconds into the game, he was involved in a tackle, and he was paralyzed from the neck down. Doctors gave him 10 years to live, and he is not only living, he's flourishing right now. He's doing exceptionally well. He's writing poetry. He's a motivational speaker. He has his own organization. Wow. He has his own radio show. Um, he's just an amazing, amazing, amazing person, and we are so proud to know him. So proud, of, so proud of him. And I will tell you that he was everywhere uh, back then. He was all he was with Michael Jordan. He was with the, the Bulls. I think even DePaul too reached out to him. So he was he yeah. was everywhere, all over the news. Okay. So it was pretty incredible. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. See, that's that's what good money pays for, right there. You know, <laughs> 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 but no, but I, but I truly thank you for that 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 introduction and everything. Why it's it's a pleasure that um uh, have you on the line. I, I like I was saying, I've been a DePaul fan for a long time, all the way back to the Ray Meyer days, and just really enjoyed watching y'all play and everything. Y'all forget what's the pride because a lot of times. It was either you or Illinois, but we didn't have a lot of schools in Illinois that does well in sports, period. Right. I don't care what sport it is. So y'all brought us a lot of joy, a lot of pride with the winning that y'all was doing. The question I want to ask, and not not the team that you was on, but what do you think was one of the best DePaul teams that they had out outside of your own team? Um, I think that would be um, God outside of the team. You know, we played. We had that twenty, what twenty seven and two year, twenty seven and three year. So that was a pretty good. That was a pretty good team. But I think, yes, uh, the Mark McGuire Terry Commons combo. I think that was probably one of the better teams uh, because on that yes. team you actually had you actually had at least four or five NBA players. Uh, and they were strong. They were strong, scoring, rebounding defensively. You know, they had the point guard in place. They, you know, they had the the small forward. They had the big man. They had, you know, three big guys. You know, with Gary Garland and Terry, and I, I, I can't remember. There was one other guy. He played well. He's from Chicago, Teddy Grubbs. So you had that combination, man. That was just dominant. You know, uh, and Clyde Bradshaw, that 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 group. Yes. Um. So I think that was a pretty strong team right there. 
but we had a lot of horses on our team. So we had the bigs, and then we had guys that can get up and down the floor, and then we had guys that can bang. Even though I was a, a smaller center, you know, I felt comfortable banging with guys. You know, there was seven feet, seven one, seven two. It never bothered me. Um, so I think we can hold our own. If we were to play against that particular DePaul team, I think we would give them fits as well. Uh, but I think Ooh, that Marcus Wire Terry, yeah, yeah. But I think that Marcus Wire Terry combo was strong, real strong. Okay, yeah, because I was curious about that. I always like to ask you, before uh, athletes that question, because the first thing most people gonna say is their team. But then you know, I want to know here was some here what their thoughts is or who who they think was also just as good. And that that's a great yeah. thing you just pick out right there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but you know, you know, in all honesty, man, we we started, we had, we struggled a little bit as well, but then we came together at the right time. So when we came together, I mean, we were ranked number one in the country. Uh, it was us in Georgetown. So we, you know, I wouldn't say it just because I was on the team. I mean, we truly had a good team. We should have that year. We should have actually made it no less than the final four. Mm-hmm. No less than the final. Four. And that, and that's what basketball was still basketball too. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't. I, yeah. I, I watched the today's game, but I don't appreciate it like I like I did when I was younger. Yeah, there, there's a there's a, a constant debate going on about the eras. So you got you know you got the era of the '80s, you got the era of the '90s, 2000s, but each era produces a different type of player. And I I, I don't know if they I don't I can't say that they're they're better. They're not worse. They're just different. And I think yeah. the players of today, could they play back when I was in college, uh, they would get beat up because they're all finesse. And back then, we were all physical. Every every player was physical. So it's just yeah. a whole different a whole different be. type of play. Yeah, you had, you had no choice. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah that's thank awesome. you. That, thank that, is a, that is awesome. You know what, Kenneth, thank you so much for calling in. Kenneth just finished his show at uh, 8 o'clock, so I know, you know, you probably had other things to do, man. Thank you for taking the time to call into the show and show your love and support, as you always do, man. We really appreciate you. Hey, family got to stick together, man. We got to take care of each other. And if we can get this to happen outside of our little circle and then let the world come together and support each other like we do, we like we should, love will do what it's mm-hmm. supposed to do, and love will take over. We'll be in a better place to live in, so... I'm always going to show yeah, that support. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And, Marty, this is, again, this is from a, a, a gentleman that is still, um, you know, still unable to move, paralyzed from the neck down with this type of attitude, with this type of motivation, just an, an incredible spirit. And we are, I'm just, I feel fortunate to know him. And, by the way, he is working on a book uh, about his life, a story about his life. So I just can't okay. yeah, going to be that. title high eight. It's going to be titled Ohio, Eight Seconds Changed My Life. Wow, that's Thank great, you. man. Congratulations Thank on that. Thank you. Thank you. Well, y'all continue oh, on. Man. Y'all been having a great show. I mean, I, 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 it's, I mean, it's always exciting. It's always informative. And I love that about y'all. So y'all keep y'all keep it exciting and very and keep everybody going. And you can't help but the one listen. The one listen. So you hear, I mean, ain't no dull moment. So. Keep doing what y'all doing. I'm going to keep listening. Yes. Kenneth, just want to let you know you're my number one, man. Just want to let you. Oh. Wow. 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 Wow.
I'm going to let that one go, though. I, I can appreciate that one, though, but I'm going to let that one go. At least do it behind my back, wow. man. Jeez. <laughs> hey, yeah, I, I'm not even touching that one. I'm not getting that one. <laughs> hey, Aaron, I got a question. <laughs> yes, sir, Reggie, Reggie. I, got, I do have a Reggie. question for Marty. Hey, um, Absolutely. Marty. Did you you guys uh-huh. did have a great era? You guys had a great team with uh, with Strickland and I remember Comagees. This I know that you guys yep. played after the Terry Cummins, Terry Bradshaw, Skip Dillard. Um, yeah, you know that era. But my question for you is: Do you think you guys would have went further in the NCAA tournament if Ray Meyer was coaching you? No, no, it wouldn't. It, you know, Joy Joy was a very qualified coach. Um, coach Ray was a good coach, but you have to understand that the players that he was recruiting didn't really need a lot of coaching. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think Joy's job was a little harder because now you have to recruit players that need the coaching. I was a guy that needed the coaching. You know, Ron Strickland was a guy that didn't need the coaching, but he was going to be the first day of practice. We knew he was going to be an NBA player. Mm-hmm. You know, so there are certain wow. players on a team that Tyrone never could have gotten as good as he had gotten without the coaching. Um, Terry Cummins was going to the league no matter what. Mark Aguirre was going to the league no matter what. Right. You know, some of the other players that went to the league, they were going to go to the league no matter who was the coach. So for me, Joy's job was twice as hard because, one, he had to fill Coach Ray's shoes, and then, two, he had to prove that he was a good, qualified coach, which for us, he did that. Uh, so I don't think it would have mattered. You know, I think, Coach, again, I would never take anything away from Coach Ray but if I had my choice of coaches, I would have to go with, with Coach Joe. You know, Coach Ray came to Flint to see me play. I was honored that he came. You know, they said Dallas was the first player that he went out of state to see. That's not true. Uh, a little-known trivia is it was me. You know, he came, he came to see me play uh, on a winter night, uh, and uh, we won the game. You know, we had a good team at that time. So he, I was honored that he came. And I think that probably pushed me over the edge to choose DePaul because I said, this is a, a, a nationally known coach that's coming to Flint, Michigan, to see me play. Um, but when I got to DePaul as far as the coaching style, and I spent four years with Coach Joe, I appreciated Coach Joe more so because he actually taught. He would take me out and actually teach me things, whereas Coach Ray kind of almost expected you to be able to do certain things. And I wasn't that guy. I wasn't that kind of player. Wow. I, I, I just remember there was some backlash when, you know, Joey was hired. Um, you know, will he be able to fill his father's shoes and win as many games and take him as far as, as his father did? I, I remember that because I was in high school when, um, when he was hired. So um, I just yeah. remember that. So, but yeah. Yeah, but, but, he, but he, was, he was doing a lot of the coaching anyway. That's what people didn't really realize. Joy, Joy was the one that was doing – a lot of coaching the last two years or so of Coach Ray's tenure. So it's not like he was new to the game. You know, his, you know he was a lead scout. He was a head scout of the team. So uh, the game plans that, that were developed, a lot of them were developed by him. Coach Ray, of course, had the final say. So there are days when Coach Ray, you know, will let Joy do his thing, but then at the same time there are days that Coach Ray said, I got this. You know, uh, but again, they were two completely different coaching styles, uh, and I don't think one elicited more wins than the other in terms of getting it out of the players. 
I think that, the, again, it was an era. The era of players that was recruited by Coach Ray, those guys, a lot of them were NBA ready. You right. know, out of high school, they were NBA ready. It's just they just yeah. had to do their time in college. And yeah, right. versus the guys who, <laughs> when I got to DePaul, these guys had to kind of cultivate their skill and grow it and then go on to the league. And, again, Ross Strickland, the first day of practice, we all say, oh, he won't be here four years. Mm-hmm. And, and that's and Dallas Comedy. You knew. Dallas Comedy was another guy that you can see the talent that was there. But, again, he was a guy that still had to cultivate that, that talent. And that's what Coach Joe got out of him. Right. You know, uh, yeah. Lamone Lampley got drafted second round, and he, he was a, when he came in, he was 175, 180 pounds soaking wet. But by the end mm-hmm. of his four years, he was, I think he got drafted high second round. Wow. So okay. that, that was a huge difference, yeah. Wow. All right, guys, we're going to have to wrap it up. We're going to have to wrap up. The All right. We are so grateful. Reggie, I'm so glad you called in, man. I mean, it's so good hearing your voice, my oh, class yeah, brother. of 86 brother. Yes, and uh, Kenneth as well, and Nina, um, Marty. Yes, Dixon thank you, Marty. <laughs> My pleasure, Nina. Appreciate thank you. you for being so supportive of the call. And, and uh, hopefully, know, I was your number one player. If not, just for the show, no, making your number one you player. Know, you know what? <laughs> you know how you young and you uh, you young like I, you you was my TV boyfriend when I was young. You was you was my boyfriend. Go down, go down. I appreciate that. So you was my number one so player. Thank you. Line, my Thank you. Line. See there. See, but she was a true DePaul person. Because you, you're not gonna get that out of me. I'm sorry, man. You wasn't my TV boyfriend. That ain't gonna come out of me, partner. I'm sorry. But you know what? Even if you, hey, Tomcat, if he would have even said you were my man crush basketball player, I would have been okay with that. But no, you have to throw me way behind. I'm second, and now now I'm third, and then you know second again. I'm like, you know, you're up and down in this whole in this whole relationship, man. You, you pick a pick a side and stay with it. Jeez. <laughs> well, there it is. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to end on that note. We want to thank everybody for tuning in, especially our special guest, Morgan Tuck from the Seattle Storm. It was a pleasure having her on. Hopefully we'll have her on again. And, of course, friend of the show, uh, Marty Embry. Marty, always a pleasure. And uh, we hope to have you on again soon as Paul takes on. Hopefully they'll get the, the program going and we'll be able to talk about it a lot more as they turn that program around. We want to thank everybody for tuning in. For Tom Cat, my name is A.A. Ron, a.k.a. A. Spark. You've been listening to the Arena Freedom Talk Radio, your voice, your volume, right here on four-time national award-winning Poet Radio, celebrating 10 years of excellence. Thank you, everyone. Peace. Take care, bro. See y'all later. God bless everybody. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.